Welcome to Chat with Crystal, empowerment coaching and conversations with real women from around the world. I'm your host, Crystal Andrus Morissette, founder of the SWAT Institute. Women are being called right now to help heal this world. And it's time for a radio podcast that shows the how we're going to do just that, empowering one woman at a time. Now let's get to it. Welcome, everyone. This is Crystal. I'm so excited to be here with you. It is Friday, June 7th. Can you believe we're into June? And I have to tell you, my office here, my little production studio here is smelling so heavenly. My husband just brought in some gorgeous lilacs. And I got to say, aren't lilacs like the best smell ever? Like Mother Nature is so beautiful and fragrant and incredible. And um, other than lilacs, I can say we now have these gorgeous blue wisteria. I have five blue wisterias that are growing in my backyard. And I must have just the right soil or the right environment or the right something because we only planted those babies two years ago. And I already have gorgeous big trees that are have the most gorgeous flowering um, uh, wisterias And if you think lilacs smell good, let me tell you, blue wisteria is like right up there, possibly, how can you even compare, right up there. Like it is just a glorious smell. And it's actually a beautiful kind of bluish purple flower. It looks really similar to a lilac, uh, but they hang just gorgeous all over, all over these gorgeous trees. So I'm telling you, it's finally starting to get a little warmer here. I am just outside of Toronto Canada, go Raptors, and um, and it's finally getting warm. It's actually a warm day today, which it's been crazy, the weather here uh, where I live, and so I'm so thankful for sunshine today, for warm weather, and for my gorgeous lilacs that are making my office smell incredible. Go pick yourself some flowers today, ladies. Honestly, go do, even if it's like I have a apple tree in my yard and those apple blossoms are something gorgeous too and I think we often think we have to pick flowers like I've got to go to the grocery store and get the tulips but walk around in nature and you can put together the most glorious bouquets I get like way of ferns out there so I get a couple ferns and I grab some apple blossoms and even just beautiful wildflowers boy I gotta tell you mother nature is is gorgeous and um fill your house up with real flowers and real plants and feel the energy in your home uh just shift and lift to a much nicer level than even if your home's already great uh I also want to remind you that just like the lilac or the blue wisteria that I was mentioning in having the right environment, you too have to create the right environment for your own greatness and your own beauty to blossom. It's no different. Um, Then the great news is the difference between us and let's say the lilac or the blue wisteria is that the blue wisteria just has to be put in the right environment. And if it's not put and planted in the right environment, it doesn't matter how much it wants to blossom. It doesn't matter how much it it believes it's worthy of blossoming. It can't because it wasn't given the right environment. And the great thing about us now, we are grown-ass women. Um, if you weren't given the right environment when you were a little girl for you to blossom into your greatness, and maybe you then didn't even know how to create the right environment for yourself as you moved out and became a woman, and you still are wondering, I do I have that greatness inside of me? Do I have that that potential to be my most beautiful, fragrant, gorgeous, blossoming self? And you do. And if you were never taught how to create the right environment for yourself, it's not your fault. And and it's not even our parents' faults because A parent does not set out to create a bad environment for their kids. They just were never taught how to do it for themselves in their life. And if they did, I believe, I believe most parents do what they know. And I don't think parents set out to mess their kids up. I I just don't think so. But I think parents are people 
And moms can be very messed up in their own little head, in their own little hearts, and they don't even realize it, that they then create a toxic, unhealthy environment. And then as children, we often recreate what we grew up in. In fact, familiar comes from the word family. So, of course, we do what's familiar to us until we know differently, until we can do better for ourselves. So today I would love to help you look at your life, look at any areas of your life that aren't working, uh, look at maybe challenges or situations where you're like, I'm not blossoming, I'm not growing. In fact, I feel like I'm dying in this certain relationship or this certain job or this certain whatever it might be. And so today I would love to support you. I see a small group of you on on the, the line today, our private conference line. You are safe. You are protected. I got you. And if you would like to do some coaching, I would be so honored and I would be so grateful to support you today. All you have to do if you're listening right now on the conference line is press star two. That's all you got to do. Press star two into that keypad or into your phone pad to have the courage to do it. And I will come to you. I'll open up the lines and we'll do some coaching together because that's what this is all about. If I don't have you, I can't do coaching. And it is my great honor and joy to be able to support you into getting into a better place in your own life. You know, I remember uh, the first time it really clicked to me about our environment. You know, we often... We know it, we know it, but we often don't equate it to something as simple as a flower, a tree. We, we look up at that gorgeous, you know, it happened to me many years back. I was laying in my backyard and I was getting ready to give a talk and I was literally laying by the pool and looking up and I have some of the most magnificent trees on my property. I live in a house that's probably 190 years old. I don't know when those trees got planted, but I think there are some of them because there are actual drawings of the house from from way back. And some of those trees were tiny, tiny little trees on the property. And I'm like, that's the same tree as 190 years ago. And there it is, like so high in the sky now. And I got up off my lounge chair and I walked over to this majestic pine tree in my backyard and I stood and looked up at it in awe and thought I bet you there are a million little pine cones on that tree right now Now, I don't know if it's a million maybe thousands upon thousands but you know what I mean and there were some on the ground underneath it and I I literally picked up a couple of pine cones put them in my hand and realized Everything it takes to become that big tree right there, all of its power, all of its potential, all of its greatness is right here in this tiny little seed. That's what it is, a pine cone. It's just a little seed right there. And if given the right environment with the right amount of sun, the right amount of water, the right soil, the right amount of space, that pine cone will It doesn't have to want it. It doesn't have to believe in itself. It doesn't have to do anything except just blossom, grow. And if you weren't given the right environment, now is the time. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself. Because here's what's so amazing about us is our greatness, our potential, our pine cone, so to speak, are those, those seeds of greatness never leave us. They are always inside, always waiting until we create an environment that is conducive for our greatness, for your greatness. And your environment might be different than what my environment needs to be. We, you know, we're not all the same. Yes, yes, like a pine cone, but some of us need an environment that is more routine. Some of us need more creativity. Some of us need, we all have sort of just the right ingredients. We have the right sort of when we can create that. And and today, if you're not feeling like you're blossoming, I guarantee it is because somehow, some way, whether you learned it or whether you forgot or whether you just never knew, 
you're you're not in an environment right now that is aligned with your spirit, aligned with your soul, aligned with what makes you feel alive, makes you feel like expansive, allows you to feel unstoppable. Uh, and I would love to help you look at that today and to be able to maybe make some, at least some, some create some ideas. We'll do a little brainstorming together to help you get back on track. If you're on the line right now and you'd like to do some coaching, press star two. It's your day. I'm here for you. Press star two right now on that keypad. We're going to open the lines and do some coaching. And I'm going to go there right now. You don't have to do anything. I'm going to press the unmute button. And I think I'm chatting with Shirley. Hey, Shirley, how are you? Hello. Hi. Hi, Shirley. How are you, my love? I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good that you took my call. Thank you so much. I'm so really glad. Nice. Shirley, tell me what's going on for you and how I can support you today. Okay, so the reason why I raised my hand, Crystal, was because you had talked about how parents, you know, they do the best they can and they never mean to mess their kids up, right? Well, I like to think that. You know, I think there's the, if you want to say, I think there's a tiny little percentage of people that maybe are just really got something wrong in their head and they actually go out of the way to mess their kids up. But by and large, I think most people are good people. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think, I think, I think there is a, there is a, certainly there is a percentage of people that should not have children. And, yeah. You know, the, 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 most of the rest of us kind of fall somewhere in the middle where we're, with all the best intentions, you know, and okay. I'm one of those parents. Yeah. So that's why I raised my hand was because I'm feeling, well, I did a super coach exercise. And for, I know, I know not everybody is in the, uh, in the uh, personal empowerment training, but there's a book called super coach. That is an assignment that we have. That's to right. And, yeah. And, and so I decided that I was going to do all of the exercises in the book <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, starting with, you know, using my imagination to imagine three goals that I would have. And one of them, which is very close to my heart, is to reconcile with my children. Now, I'll just remind you, I have five children, three mm-hmm. sons and two daughters. Yeah. And since my divorce in 2013, and, you know, through a series of let's say, unfortunate events, of which I I take personal responsibility for some of it, for sure. Yeah. Um, they've all become estranged from me, Crystal. Oh, that's sad, Shirley. I'm so sorry. I don't think there's probably yeah. anything more painful for a mother, especially a mother who wants to see her children than that. I, I'm so sorry that you're going through that. I truly am. Um, I'm on the opposite side, Shirley. I'm... I'm the daughter who has the mother who's been estranged for, well, I'm going to say 100% estranged, absolutely no contact in 11 years, and probably in the 10 years prior to that, hit and miss, hit and miss. So I'm the other side where I'm the kid saying, why, what's wrong with my mother? So let's talk about your relationship with your kids. And where do you see, what do you, what do you see if you could just take the sort of the 10,000 foot view and you could rise up into your wise self, into the wise woman that you are and you are, what do you think happened from their perspective? What do you think, how do you think they're seeing it? Well, I think that they see it that, that there's something wrong with me, that I'm, I have a flaw and that is having, um, well, I was only diagnosed last year with bipolar disorder. Yeah. But it's something that I've lived with my entire life, I suppose. Yeah, maybe, maybe not, but yeah, maybe. I'm not exactly sure when it hit me, but, you know, the ups and downs, the kind of the roller coaster ride of bipolar disorder, I can see happen when, when, uh, you know, from the time that, that I had my children and I had my children to give myself meaning for my life. Like mm-hmm. I felt really proud of my marriage. I I had them with the same man. Um, and how long were you married, Shirley? 
36 years. Surely, 36 years. So these are not little babies. These are not young children. How old are no, you? No. How old are they? Well, my oldest is 36. 36. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been divorced. I had him seven years into the marriage. And the youngest is 23. My daughter, 23. And none of the children are... And none of them are speaking to you? At the moment, none of them are speaking to me, no. And were there times where some of them were and some of them weren't? Yes. And what do you think was the final straw that made the ones that were speaking to you stop speaking to you? And I, and it doesn't, I'm not blaming you in any shape, way, shape, or form. But what do you think it was in their mind? Well, I think, uh, well, with my daughter, my fourth child, my my uh, my eldest daughter, she she came to visit me and when I was living in Cornwall, Ontario. And, uh, you know, it was just an afternoon visit. So it was just, just a few hours that we were together, and it went really well mm -hmm. for the most part. And then we went and sat by the river. And I was feeling like I, I just had to share this with her, mm -hmm. that when, like I, I wanted her to know why I had stayed with her father, you know? Mm -hmm. before before he was her father, before he was anybody's father, why well, I had stayed with him. And I told her that I had, I felt that I had something like a Stockholm-like syndrome mm -hmm. because he had raped me when I was 16 years old. Mm. Mm. And uh, It was way I, too I, much for her to handle. She was not in any capacity able to handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so what she heard is, so your my dad, in her mind, what she heard is, my dad that you were with for 36 years raped you, and you stayed with him and married him, and surely that ha ha happens. What you're, It's real, and it was real for you, but your children did not want to hear that, did not want to could, did not have the emotional capacity to even get their heads around it. Now, what's their relationship like with their dad? Um, I think I think it's it's tenuous. You know, I think that they have something to do with him. You know, like every once in a while they'll see him or whatever. But so they're not strange. doing that great with either parent. No. Yeah. So the kids are sort of the 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 kids. And do the kids see each other? And they do. That's a remarkable thing, you know. They actually do. They actually make a point of seeing one another. Well, that's on a, good. On a fairly regular basis. That's great. Visiting that's and great. they're spread out from one end of the country to the other. Yeah, so I they love each other. They do. Yeah. They do, you know. That's the great thing about, yeah. about this situation. Yeah. That's great that you see that, that you really do want your children to be happy and that you love them. And it is really hard. Um, I'm going to speak for me. I can't speak for your children, but I will tell you that my parents had a very turbulent marriage and the fallout was one of the worst. Like, you know, when I saw the movie, The War of the Roses with Michael Douglas in that movie, I actually oh, watched yeah. it. I watched it with my mother, as a matter of fact, and she just laughed her way through that whole movie and thought that was just the funniest, most fabulous movie ever. And inside I thought, I lived through this with you, Mom, and it was insane to be the child of that. And when my parents finally split, um, the pain was so terrible for all of us that we almost couldn't, no, not almost, nobody could get together because... Getting together brought us all back to this really painful place that no one had the emotional capacity to know how to handle it or deal with it. So every time you got together, every time I saw my mom, every time I saw my dad, I would cry the whole drive home. And my partner, whether it was my first husband and now my second husband, hasn't even ever spent any time with them because they haven't been in my life. They, My father is now in my life in tiny, tiny bits and pieces, but my mother, nothing. And talks about her children like we're the devil. 
Um, so my my husband, this husband, has doesn't know her. He only just thinks she must be really mentally ill to to be like that. Um, but definitely says you cannot let your mother back in your life. It, it, she's too she's too wounded and toxic. And and I'm, and I'm like she doesn't want me in her life anyways, honey. Like she doesn't want me in her life. So I will tell you though that. We, even my siblings, nobody can get together. Nobody sees each other because of the pain. It's just so painful that um, the neuroassociation, I think, is just instantly fired up when we see each other. And it, just all the trauma, it comes rushing back. And, and we all just leave feeling so wounded and broken. And it takes us days, weeks oh. to get back up to feeling normal again. So something has happened and your children are just like that so you have this wonderful visit with your daughter and then you need to tell her and the truth is she was probably like mom I haven't seen you in a while and our relationship is already tenuous as it is and you feel the need to tell me that my dad raped you they she couldn't handle that Shirley she couldn't handle that that was too much to put on her because that means my dad's a rapist and my mom stayed with her rapist and had five children with her rapist. Yeah. And that's a pretty big, horrible thing for a kid to feel like, so did, was I a product of being raped? Is I, am I your kid that, that was with your rapist? Yeah. And children carry that, even grown children. Like, my mother could say something. My mom still lashes out and writes the most horrible things about me. Thankfully, I would say in the last year, something in my heart has healed up enough for me to realize it's nothing to do with me and she's just brutally wounded. So I think if you really want to reconcile with your children, you're going to have to apologize. And you might think, for what? Why? Um, but I think you might have to apologize just to say, if I hurt you, I didn't mean to. And I, I, I have a mental illness, and I'm, I'm, are you taking medication, or how are you getting a handle yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, that's really helped me a lot. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Um, if, you're, if you were, Shirley, and, you know, and this is what we have to talk about mental illness, you know, I have had extreme anxiety in my life to the point that I've, I've, I, I was diagnosed with seizures and apparently I have this abnormal activity on my left temporal lobe and that anxiety, if it gets too bad, I faint and I can go into a full on seizure and it hasn't happened for years now. But, um, when I finally realized that and I started, I, I started taking medication for it and, you know, to be able to say to your children, I'm so sorry if I hurt you. I was wounded and I don't I wasn't in my right mind and I miss you and I I will do what I need to do to apologize until you hopefully forgive me and then you have to build back one really tiny step at a time with them and I would say talking about their father is off limits yeah and you know that now I do. Yeah. You do. You do now. Like you, if you were to look at that now and say, was that a wise move to tell my daughter that once, like, especially like if you just had a nice visit with her, none of the other kids are talking to you. As you look at that now, do you think, geez, if I could do a do over, I would have done that differently. Yeah, for sure. Right. Definitely you, wouldn't have brought that up. Right. Yeah, you, Exactly. You know, when I look back at some of the things I did and uh, mistakes I made, and, I, you know, I've even said to my children, like, I, I, I probably do it too often. I haven't done it for a while now, but there were a time after my, I split up with their dad and I got together with someone else and then that relationship broke up. And I would say to my children, I'm so, so sorry if I've hurt you. And I didn't get it right. And like, you know, um, let's talk about it. Let's talk it out. Like my kids now will be like, mom, <laughs> like we're good. It's fine. But 
I knew how desperately I needed apologies from my mother that I never got. And boy, if my mom would just say, I'm so sorry for the mistakes I made. I was out of my mind. I was wounded. I was hurt. And I was bipolar. And I was doing things that don't make sense. And please forgive me. I would be like, mom, done. Wiped clean. Let's start fresh. Shirley, you know, children are incredibly forgiving. They really are. If they feel sincere accountability, apology, and responsibility from a parent. Yeah. I I promise you that your relationship with them is not severed. It's not. It's, they've set boundaries with you. Yeah, well, they needed to, you know, because I, I... I wasn't, I wasn't listening to their boundaries. Yeah, and how and how amazing that you see that now and that you can say that they needed to. Yeah, yeah, they needed to. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. I really understand. You know, I, I'm taking the 10,000-foot view, like you said. And Yeah, because for their sanity, for their sanity, for their sanity, they had to be like, Mom, you're not in your right mind, and I can't spend time with you. I can't, I'm the kid. I can't fix you. I can't fix any of this. I can't be responsible for this. I don't want to hear about my dad. Like my mom would do the same thing. My mother would tell me things like, um, like just like my father is like the devil incarnate and I had his blood and the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree and I'm just like him. And like the way she would talk, I would just think, holy moly, like I'm not him. And I'm not you. I'm me. I'm my own person. And my mother, if I did anything that she thought was remotely like my father, she would instantly be like, you're just like your father. And he makes me sick. And you like the stuff that was said and the letters, I would get 20 plus page handwritten letters that would come out of for no rhyme or reason. We might have talked on the phone on Friday evening. Nicely. Everything was great. And then Tuesday, I open up my mail. This was before there was email. And I would think, what is this? And then I realized that my mother had written a 20-plus page letter about how much she hates me from that time to that time. I'm certain my mother ha- has mental illness. Um, but you, And on top of it, she, she just drinks way too much. So her anger and her rage would come flying out at me. And I had to say... You can't do this to me anymore. And if you continue to do this to me, we're not going to be able to see each other. Well, that outraged her. And then she was like, I don't even want to see you ever again anyways. So, you know, it is ultimately, I I believe this, it's a trickle down effect. And when moms are wounded, they, they really can wound children. And when moms get healed, it's up to them to heal that relationship again. It's not up for the kid. It's not up to the child to come back and say, hey, mom, you healed? Are you ready to be my mom? So I think this is, I think when you feel ready, and I'm happy to support you even in that way you write that letter, to start with the, I'm, it's, I'm at fault. This is my fault. And you needed to set boundaries with me. I, I lacked boundaries. I was out of control emotionally. I was wounded. Yeah. I, yeah. You were. You were. And now you're on the mend. Uh-huh. And you know what, Shirley? There's nothing a child wants more from, than, from their mother than a letter like that. I promise you. Like, I promise you. I promise you, your child, and it might be one by one, and they each get a letter. And what I would do in that letter is I would would write it with an apology, and then I would write about some of the fun things you remember with each child. Like, I remember when you were 13, and we went to the park, and we blah, blah, blah. Or I remember when you came. The last time we visited, we had a wonderful visit, and then we went down to the damn river. And I wish I never did that, and I'm so sorry. I miss you. I love you. I would talk about some of their great qualities and that you don't expect to be back in their life like like instant forgiveness, but that 
you really hope that they would be willing to crack the door open a little bit and let you slowly come back into their life and show them, you know, how much you respect them and miss them and love them. What do you think? Well, I definitely will write to my daughter. I, I don't know about the rest of them because I don't even have their addresses or any way to contact them. But you know what? You can get it. And I'll tell you, even your sons, even the ones that you think have written you off, they haven't, Shirley. They haven't. Children never, ever, ever write their parents off, even the ones that say they have. I still say, I pray for a miracle with my mom. I still say, well, I still believe in miracles, and you never know. And go ahead. No, I just was going to say that's the reason why I was able to trust you enough to bring this up. Yeah. I believe in miracles, Shirley, and I think you're a beautiful, kind, wonderful soul. I do. And I know that about you. I've spent time with you. We've done different things together over the years. You've been one of my SWAT students for years. And you started back and then had a little break because you had to do some healing. And now you're ready to step back in and become a coach. You're ready. And timing is everything, Shirley, in life. Louise Hay taught me that. You know that? Louise Hay taught me that. I remember being at an event with her and we were talking just about books and getting your book out to the world. And she said, it's all timing. And you can't force it until it's the right time. And you know when it's the right time. And I will tell you that only doing sending a letter to one child will feel a little bit like you're playing favorites to the other ones. And it will make them sad. And then the one will feel like, do I betray my four siblings to have a relationship with my mom? And so I'm, I'm really looking at this from the 30,000-foot view. And just to, to find somehow you could, if you really wanted to get an address or even an email address, just an email address. And you could send, you could, if you really, really tried, you could find each one of your children. I'm certain of it. And I know that it's scary because they might reject you, but surely they've already rejected you. So you have nothing left to lose except to get your children back. And you will feel a sense of joy and you will feel relief and you will feel like you're taking your rightful place back in their lives. Well, that would truly be a miracle. Well, you know, Marianne Williamson says a miracle is just a shift in perception. And if you can shift the way that you're looking at things, the things you look at change. If you can change, if you can change the way you're even looking at your kids, the way you see them will change. And if you can start to see them as like they're angry, they're hurt, they're pissed at their parents, they're pissed at the chaos, they're pissed at the dysfunction and the drama, and they're disappointed, and they want better. And they're actually setting the bar for you. And who cares if your ex-husband gets it together or not? They're actually setting a bar for you to say, join us. Like, join us. Come up here, Mom. Come back to us. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that? Well, I think so. I, because I, I had such a huge identity crisis, you know, that I... I think I've reconciled my differences and and made peace with who I was back then and who I am now. And what would you say to them? Who would you say you were back then? If you were to say, this is who I was back then. I was very victimized. They grew up with a very victimized woman. You know, they, they grew up with a woman who felt like she was in prison the entire time. So here's what I would say. I would want to help you to write it in a way that doesn't make you the victim to them. It makes them the victim. They were the yeah, child. They were, they, were, they were victimized by that, yeah, because I felt like I was trapped in a, in a relationship I didn't want to be in. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't talk about their dad. 
because that's instant. I'm just, I'm going to tell you as it from a, from an adult child's perspective, that if my mom were to write me a letter and say, um, your dad, uh, was cold and unloving and he never told me he loved me and he never held me and he never and he only wanted to watch pornography and he only saw me as a sexual object and they wrote all that to me I'd just be like I'd want to rip it up and burn it yeah I'd be like uh too much information that's my dad work it out go talk to your therapist now if you want to write me a letter and say I didn't know how to be the mother you needed I was broken and wounded. And I didn't know how to give you what you needed because I didn't even know how to give me what I needed. And I'm so sorry. And I'm, I, I got married way too young. I, I, I didn't follow. I never trusted my, myself, my intuition. I never trusted my own heart. You know, I made mistakes. I've let I didn't you know what you know, they don't need to know it all. They don't need to know those details. At No child ever does from their parents. Like my kids to this day, if I were to share anything, even like just a joke, Madeline would say, TMI, too much information, mom, not interested. And, and yet we think we're besties, but we're not besties. I'm her mom and she has her besties and she has her sister and I'm their mom. And there's certain things that I never, ever, ever want my children to know. Not ever. It's not for them to know. And when I hear parents that say things like, you shouldn't keep anything from your children, your children, I'm like, that's wrong. No, you're their parent. You're not their best friend. And they're not your therapist. Yeah. They don't need, and even as grown adults, they still don't need to know. And when you see a mother that's confiding too much stuff in her daughter, daughters can confide anything they want in their moms and it may seem unfair but that's that's the that's the rightful order children should come to their mothers children should be able to come to their parents with any problem parents do not go to their children with problems and if we could get back to remembering that then we'd know there's a trickle-down effect and unfortunately, the trickle-down effect didn't happen for you. The man is supposed to love his wife with all the love in the world and protect her and take care of her. And the wife then has just her, her cup is so full that she has all this love and protection to give her children. A wife is not supposed to protect her husband. Doesn't That's not the way it works. The man protects the wife and the wife protects the children and it's a trickle-down effect. And then children grow up and become well-adjusted. That's that's the right that's the right way. That's the trickle-down effect of love. That's the way it's supposed to work. But there are so many kids that are parenting their parents. There are so many kids that think they are literally a mother to their they they mother their own parents. They have to take and they've had to take care of their parent from the time they were little. And then you wonder yeah. why you have all these women in mother energy. Because all they've ever known is to they have to take care of people. They're little girls taking care of people. And that's just not that's just not the way that it works. And so I'm telling you, you still have lots of time to take your rightful place as their mother. And believe me, they want you to, Shirley. There's no kid in the world, not any grown adult, not anyone that doesn't wish their mother or their father would just step into their own woman energy and show up like like the mother they they need. I made a decision when I had my kids like I'm going to become the mother I needed. And I'm not saying I've done it right all the time. I think I've done a really good job. I've done the best job I can. And still then I think, mm, geez, I made mistakes. And I've lashed myself with guilt. I've apologized to my children to the point they'll say, Mom. But I'll tell you, a kid's going to do a lot better in life, in their heart and in their soul, if they feel that apology is sincere. And even if it takes them time to slowly let you back in, Shirley, they will. I know it. I feel it. I, I I appreciate that. You're a good person. You're a good, good, good soul, Shirley. Deep in your bones, I know that about you. Thank you. 
and you just you just got yourself a little too animated at times and a little too expressive and just a little too and it was just more than they could handle from their mom like holy Shirley don't kid yourself I am a footloose and fancy free like I am like the free spirit that could run around my yard barefoot and sing songs loud for the neighborhood and I do but if my kids are around they're mortified they'd be like mom stop it like (laughs) they still have quite the rules about the way they would like me to show up and I do for them. I, what's the point? Why would I want to cause my kids great distress? So I do. If I'm out for dinner, I'm lovely. And I don't talk too much to the waiters. And I don't, like, maybe it's not fair. But I feel a sense of, no, I want to get this right with my kids. And I'm telling you, it's not too late. Your kids are only 23. You have a 23-year-old. She needs her mom. That 23-year-old needs her mom and wants her mom. And she's only doing what her older brothers and sister is doing. I'd be starting with her. I'd be starting with her, with your youngest, your baby. And one by one, I'd send a letter to each of them. And I I wouldn't make it too long. And I wouldn't make it dramatic. And I wouldn't make it filled with anything that makes you the victim. Because they don't want to hear that, Shirley, even though you had been victimized. They don't want to hear that. What they want to hear is they were victimized. Yeah. They were got the shit-ass end of the stick. They did, yeah. And that's, that's what they need to hear. And when you say that to a kid, I messed up. And you had every right to set boundaries for me. And it's, I'm not making an excuse, but I've been diagnosed as bipolar. I'm on medication. It's radically helped me. And I don't expect you to just forgive and forget, but I do hope you will forgive me. And let me... Start fresh. Mm-hmm. And then Shirley, send another one in six months if you don't hear from them. Don't give up on them. Because I'll tell you yeah. one thing. In two or three Christmases from now, you're going to be with your family as a family again. Oh, I hope so. That would be wonderful. And I think that's what you have to focus on. So why don't we do... Why don't we do the empowerment process now, our last few minutes on the call. Why don't we actually walk you through the empowerment process that you're learning yourself? Do you want to do that? Okay. Great. Yeah. Okay, so I think around this story, let's be honest and say let's. we know the full map of empowerment, and for those that are listening maybe for the first time or don't know, we one of the things that I teach at the SWAT Institute in our coaching certifications is we use a book called Power Versus Force. And in that book, Power Versus Force by David, David Hawkins, he has a map of consciousness. And in that map of consciousness, it's... Oh, I'm going to just mute you for a sec, Shirley. You can get your ding and done. And I'm going to come right back to you. So in the map of consciousness, there is a full range of all the emotions we feel. And every emotion builds in power from the next. So the very lowest place a person can be is feeling ashamed, feeling ashamed. And so I'm going to take Shirley right back to that. Because I think that there's shame when you feel like none of your five children talk to you. Would you say, Shirley? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's been a lot of shame. Holy mackerel. I've been encrusted with it. Yeah. And that's not you. That's not who that will not serve you. And that will not serve your children to have a mother encrusted in shame. Okay. So shame is almost who I am is no good. Who I am as a mother is no good. So we're going to build higher. And the next level, we're going to go a little higher, would be shifting up out of the shame and into guilt. And guilt is what I did was no good. What I did was no good. So would you be able to say to yourself, yeah, I I acknowledge there was things I did that was no good. Yes, I acknowledge that some of the things that I did were not, not good for my children. Great. And who do we blame for it? Tell the truth. I blame my Blame my ex. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just wrote him. A, I just wrote him another letter the other day and burned it. Great. So they don't need to know that, but in truth, you blame your ex. Yeah. 
you blame him, okay? So we, and you just did the letter writing, which is awesome, because what I would say to you is you need to write him a letter of all the could-have-beens and the should-have-beens and how he messed you up and how he raped you the first time and how because you'd been raped and you lost your virginity and you were broken and tarnished and all those terrible feelings, you literally tried to make it work with him. And you stayed with him. And that is Stockholm Syndrome. Surely that is. Listen, I was badly abused by different men in my life. And I look back and think, you know, I was 12 years old and my mother's boyfriend was 24. And after a few weeks of her dating him, she moved him into our house. And when she wasn't around, he was always naked. I mean, cooking breakfast naked. And I came to learn as I got older, he always had an erection and he constantly asked me to have baths with him and he constantly had baths with my little sister and he would try to neck with me and he would touch me and he would do all these. What was I thinking years later when I grow up and I move out and I need someone to help? I need to renovate my kitchen and he's a kitchen renovator that I contact the man who abused me. Why would I do that? Why? Because we were, I was groomed from the time I was little to be abused, and I didn't even realize how bad the abuse was my whole life. And it wasn't until I really got into my 30s and 40s that I looked back and said, I'd been groomed to be sexually abused my whole life, and I've been sexually abused by probably 10 different men. And if you were to say that to someone, they'd go, give me a break. How could you be raped by all these different people? Because there must have been something in me that didn't even know my worth and didn't know I could flip out and say no and, and go to the police. And no one ever did it for me. I was a stranger raped at 14, lost my virginity. No one ever said, what? We need to call the police. No one. When I was 15, I was raped nightly by another man my mother brought into my life. And when she found out, He owned a carpet store and said, we should blackmail him to get new carpet in the house. Not, he did what? So you better believe by the time I'm like, I'm 28 or 29 and I'm living in my house and I've got two little girls and I need to get some renovating done. And I call the guy who abused me for five years. So surely I understand Now, if I were to tell my children that all of that and say, that's why, this why, and it was your dad that did it to me, that's just way too much information for them. So you're going to write him letters and burn those letters until you can shift higher. And I think you've been through the grieving. You've grieved. I think you're past the grieving. Like you're like, you've grieved. I've lost my whole family. And what's above grieving? The fear. What's the fear right now of reaching out to your children, Shirley? Well, more more rejection, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so don't do anything. Don't worry about that yet. Don't worry about that they might reject you. Honor it and acknowledge it. But what if they don't reject you? Would it be worth that bit of fear? What if they don't? Yeah, it would be worth it. It would be for sure. And listen, sometimes you got to do more than one letter. That first letter, you might think they've rejected you, but it might have just cracked their heart open a little bit. And then three months later, they get another very stable, nothing too emotional, nothing too heavy, but just another sending another letter. And I hope you'll respond. And if you don't, I I still need you to know how much I love you and I miss you. And so if we could just move through the fear and the fear is they might reject me and we just shift a little higher into the next level of consciousness, which is desire. And that would be, but if I weren't afraid, if you weren't afraid, what would you do? I would contact them. Yes. And... You know what's just above desire is anger. And it's going to be natural if you feel like, God damn it, why won't they respond to me? God damn it, these are my kids and I'm angry that it got to this point. Guess what, Shirley? All great change happened because someone got angry enough with the status quo. All great change happened because a mom got angry enough to say, 
I need my kids in my life. I'm not going to stay down in fear and shame. I'm angry that I, I let things go offside. I'm angry that I don't have my kids in my life. And what's just above anger is pride and dignity. And I'm going to have the dignity to realize these kids need me. I'm their mom. And I am going to be a dignified woman. And I'm going to stand in my dignity. And I'm not going to feel ashamed anymore. And I'm not going to beat myself up anymore. And I'm not going to think I'm not worthy of their love anymore. I am worthy of their love. They're worthy of mine. And just above pride, surely, is courage. Courage, yeah. Courage. What would courage have you do? Well, to, to, to write them up, to continue to communicate with them. Great. That's perfect. And guess what's just above courage? Neutrality. And you know what I've learned what neutrality is, Shirley, now? It's like you've done what you could do. You've channeled up your anger and your fear and your sorrow and your shame. You've channeled it all and you've routed it into that letter, that courageous letter that wasn't easy. And neutrality is now trusting, trusting, just letting go. You don't have to do anything else. You're not in the place of love yet. You're not in the place where you're in the clear, but you're in your truth. Because everything below courage is false. It's not who you really are. It's not the mother that you really are. It's not the woman that you really are. You're not an angry, fearful, grieving victim. That's not who you are. That happened, but surely that's not who you are. You're not an angry, fearful woman. No, you're not. I know you're not. That's not the truth of who you are. So the truth of who you are is courage and higher. And if you can only just get to neutrality with your kids right now, which is I trust that it's going to unfold. It's going to be okay. I'm just going to trust. I planted the seeds. And just like that environment now, you've planted the seeds to let love begin to blossom. And you're going to just keep watering those seeds. And maybe the day will come that you've put in enough time. You've written a letter every three months for the next three years. And then what's higher than neutrality? And I would say, I don't want you to get to the place of accepting what is yet. I don't want you to. I don't want you to. I don't want to push you higher than that. Because accepting would be like, can you accept that your children might never contact you again? No, we can't accept that. No, I'm not going to accept that yet. But can you still love yourself even if they don't know how to receive your love? Yes. Yes, you can. And can you still be happy even if they never come back into your life? You can. But let's not get there yet. (laughs) Let's get there in all the other areas of your life. But when it comes to this situation right now, you're not at the point of being in acceptance yet. Because you haven't had done the courage yet. So you actually have to have the courage now to write that letter. And here's what I'm going to ask you, Shirley. Will you send the letter to me first before you send it to your kids? I will. I really mean that. I really, really mean that. And I'm going to make sure that you have my email address, Madeline, my executive assistant. She's also my eldest daughter. CC her on it. And I want to just help you because I want want to help you get this right. And sometimes just a little bit of rewording or tweaking – from someone that's just outside of it to look in and say, let's make this letter so as, as, as loving, compassionate, insightful, and honest as possible. And I want to help you do that. Let me help you do that. And then yeah, when, you, when you feel ready, you're going to get that letter sent off and you're going to stay in neutrality, which is trusting and believing it's on its way. Your kids are on their way back to you. Stay in that place of just trusting and believing your kids are on their way back to you. I love that. I do too. I feel so much better thinking that way than just being down in the muck, in the fear, in the shame. That doesn't serve you or them. No. It doesn't. 
They want their mom to be healthy and whole. How do you feel? Yeah, all they want from me is to be their mom, you know, to, to make lentil soup and make raisin pudding for them. Yeah, and yeah, and not that you, it, not that that means, but to your kids, you're always a mom. You're not the sexy, you're not sexy to your kids. You're not, you're not an entrepreneur to your kids. You're not, like, my kids, both of them, like, I'm I'm watching my one daughter's going away for the weekend, and she asks, says, Mom, can you watch my dogs this weekend? Yes. <laughs> yes. Bring them. Absolutely. And then my daughter, right while we're on the phone right now, I just got another text from the other one saying, I'm going to go away this weekend. Can I bring you my cat? Well, I got two dogs, but you know what? If the dogs and the cat and everybody can get along, bring them. Because to my kids, I'm, I'm going to be Grammy. I'm Grammy now. Yeah. I'm not... I'm not um, Crystal Andrus Morissette, radio show, best-selling author. No, I'm their mom. And you're their mom. You're your kid's mom. And that's just how they want to see you. And that's who you want to be. Make them some soup. And watch their dog. And if they have kids, babysit for their kids. Yeah. And you're going to get that back, Shirley. You got a 23-year-old girl. She's right in the same age between my kids. I got a 22-year-old and a 24-year-old. And I tell you, those girls, my girls need me just as much now as they did when they were five years old. Just in different ways. And your your 23-year-old little girl, she needs you. She's going to have such a healing of her own heart when she gets you back. So do it for her. Okay. Okay. I'm giving you a big hug. I want you to imagine right now that I'm standing in front of you. I'm wrapping my arms around you and I'm giving you the biggest hug from my heart to your heart. And I know you got this and you're not alone. That's the great news, Shirley. You're not alone. You got a whole sisterhood of women who are rallying around you right now, who believe in you and know that your rightful place in this world is being a mother to your five grown children. Yeah, thank you so much. Shirley, go do something good for yourself. Do you have any lilac trees on your on your property? I, I do, yeah. Go and cut yourself three bouquets, big bouquets. Put one right when you walk in the door and put one in your bedroom and put one on your kitchen table. And if you can't do three, start with one. I'm always over the top. Uh. <laughs> go do something nice for yourself. Remind yourself how worthy you are of beauty. Because you're beautiful. Okay, Shirley. I send you so much love. I really mean it. From my heart, if you could feel my intentions are as pure as my as intentions and love could be right now. And I I I am just sending so much love to you and your children. And I'm like my if I could do this, I would do it. But I'll tell you, I can't do it, but you can. And you can have the support of all of us circling around you until you get those kids back and you're going to take your rightful place and you're going to one day look back on this and say, what would courage have me do? Take my rightful place in this world. Yeah, for sure. I love you, Shirley. Keep me posted. Thank you, I will. Okay, and you send me that email before you send it or the letter before you send it to your kids because I just want to have a little, little extra set of eyes to look in on it first. Okay. Okay. Sending you love, and you're so welcome, ladies. If you would like some coaching, I'm here every Friday from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. It's my great joy to support you. Um, And remember, miracles are real. And miracles aren't always these crazy things that we think are like the impossible just happened. Miracles are just a shift in your heart. And sometimes that little shift just gives you enough courage to do something that you never thought you would do or you thought was too scary to do. And then you realize, why not do it? Why not let love lead you? Lead with love. And I'll tell you something. People feel that 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 intention is true and honest. And everybody wants to be loved, especially children. So I'll be back next Friday. I would love to chat with you. Come back and join me. And if you haven't ever yet got to 
got onto these calls before, if you're listening for the first time on SoundCloud or through iTunes, please subscribe. And if you'd like some coaching, head over to my coaching school. The website is www.swat, like the Special Weapons and Tactical Institute.com, swatinstitute.com. We are Simply Women Accredited Trainers, and we are healing the world one special, important woman at a time. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on Chat with Crystal, empowerment coaching and conversations with real women from around the world. Of course, my name is Crystal Andrus Morissette, and it's been my honor to spend this time with you. If you'd like to be a guest on the show to get the coaching that you need, please visit www.swatinstitute.com. And remember, empowerment equals choice. It's always up to you.